The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all back. But let me tell you, I'm even more excited for our guest today. He is the owner of Hamill Investments, Mr. Gabriel Hamill. Gabriel, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, good, Cody. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, listen, we appreciate you jumping on and making some time in your schedule. We we really are honored to have you here, and I know our audience is going to love it as well. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, for, for those that are maybe seeing your name or hearing your voice for the first time, hopefully not. But just in case they are, I always love to hear everyone's origin story. So tell us where you're from, how you got started in real estate, and kind of what you're doing these days in real estate. Yeah, I'll I'll do my best to condense it down because it's kind of a kind of a long origin story. So I live in I live in Eugene, Oregon. And really what got me interested in real estate was I knew I knew at a young age, I didn't know about real estate, but I knew at a young age the idea of you know, going and working forever for somebody else was not attractive to me. Kind of always had the entrepreneurial spirit, but I didn't really know what to do with that. Like I really stayed in high school for the social aspect and uh, I was a high school wrestler. That's really what kept me in school. I joined the military. I joined the Army National Guard. My senior year of high school was doing the, the one week in a month stuff, two weeks a year, just like just like the commercial says. And then uh, a couple of years after high school, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. We we talked off air about the you know the little purple book, and yep. you know that that was life changing for me. I, I used to be embarrassed to say it was the first book I read uh, word for word, cover to cover. Now I'm now I'm proud to say that is the first book I actually read uh, cover to cover. Never never read a book in full you know throughout high school. So I read that book, and in my mind, I was I was just decided, hey, I'm I'm going to invest in real estate. You know, real estate will be my will be my path to financial freedom. And how I was going to do that, I had no idea. I just knew that I would. And then shortly after reading that book, I got a call, and I was deployed to Iraq for a year. And so overseas, I kept telling all my friends, hey, I'm going to come back. I'm going to I'm going to start buying real estate. And you know, a lot of them were like, man, you're an idiot. You've been you're living in your friend's attic for a hundred dollars a month. Like, what do you? How are you going to come back and and, and do this. And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to. And so came back in 2004, got out of the military in 05. And I, and I bought my, my first property in, in 2005. I, I rented out two of the rooms, which now they refer to as house hacking. And it just made good financial sense then, you know, got a loan back in 05 when anybody could get a loan, got one with no money and no job and rented out two of the rooms and lived for less than I could anywhere else. And that was, that was really the start of my, start of my journey. Awesome. Well, you know, we love a good origin story and I, listen, I, I'm with you. I struggle to read even to this day. I listen to a lot of audio books, but you know, when you get something like Rich Dad Poor Dad and, and things start to click and start to fire off the kind of the synopsis in your brain around kind of retooling the way we were taught and educated a lot in high school or even growing up just with, with family members and parents and everything and just different ways to look at the financial system and, and, and how you can really play the game. It's It's a hard book to put down once you kind of crack it and, and get going with it. So I completely understand that. Oh, for sure. It, it answered a lot of questions for me that I, I didn't even know that I had. Just kind of this, uh, like it, it brought everything to the forefront of my mind that just, it just started making, I was like, this makes a lot more sense for my life than going to school for a long time to get a job that I potentially would would hate and work for someone else and rely on having a boss forever. So to me, it just it just made sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well Gabriel, t- tell me, I mean, you, you've done a lot of things in your career. You've been super successful with real estate. 
I can't imagine they everything's been a success. So that's what we brought you on here to talk a little bit about today is, you know, when you think back at your career thus far, you know, what comes to mind from an unsuccess story that kind of shaped or helped mold where you're at today or maybe changing some perspectives you had or thoughts on some of that? What what, what kind of stories come to mind when we talk about that? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a couple different, there's a couple different thoughts that come to mind. I'm glad you asked. It's mo- I feel like a lot of podcasts, they only want to hear the success stories. And it's really easy to look at someone's, you know, Instagram account or kind of hear their story and all the rah-rah, like, cool, you're kicking ass now, but what did that, what did that come from? So I do, I mean, I appreciate that, that question. And the first, the first thing that comes to mind. So, you know, I bought my first three properties, 05, 06, 07, when banks were giving out money to everybody, you know? And so, and those are the only loans that I ever traditionally financed, if you can consider those traditionally financed. And, you know, in, in 2006, I also opened up a small nutrition store. And by 2008, 2008 was the year my first son was born. But in 2008, my store wasn't making any money. And I went back to the bank. I wasn't qualified to any other kind of job. And all of a sudden, I'm, I have this young family. And that was my first real, oh shit moment of what, like, what do I do? Like, uh, I went to the bank and they said, well, sorry, guidelines have changed. You don't qualify for a loan. You don't have income. You don't have a job. Um, sorry, go go get a job. Go go save some money for a, for a down payment. And that was my real first, like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So I, I literally took a bunch of odd and end jobs on, on Craigslist, help wanted ads, anything from landscape. I, I was literally like riding my bike to landscaping jobs and had a little beater car. I was just doing everything I could to get by. And even though I had these these three homes and they were cash flow positive, it wasn't like I was making a ton of mo- a ton of money. It wasn't that I was financially free. I eventually landed a job in a, a high school special education class, thirty hours a week. So I was bringing home very little. It was a minimum wage job. And you know, three months into that, I was cleaning shit out of a stall that a kid had thrown everywhere. And and my heart really does go out to uh, those kids. You know, the special education class. Um, these were high needs kids. I knew that this wasn't my my dream though, and so I had to make a decision right then and there. Is am I going to end up working a job that I that I don't love for you know for the rest of my life? I mean, I didn't have a lot of opportunities in the workforce to do something else, or am I going to get serious about about real estate? And so I made a decision right there, about three months into that job, I will replace this income by the end of the year. Um, now it was a low paying job, so it felt very obtainable. And I spent the next year on Craigslist from 08 to 09, just searching for seller finance deals. And, you know, every night just typing in keywords until I found two duplexes. They were uh, four units in total, two duplexes side by side, did a, a seller finance deal that replaced my income almost to the dollar. And I, and I stopped working. So, you know, I, I think the, the big challenge there was, you know, I was up against the wall of like, Hey, do I get serious about, you know, my financial freedom or uh, do I surrender to kind of the status quo and just having the job and giving up because the bank, the bank said, no, I, I think that was one of my, I've had other challenges, but that was kind of my first big pushback of, uh, okay, what do I, what do I do now? Well, let me ask you, cause we we've heard some other folks on the show talk something about this, right? Stepping away from the W2 or, 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 or jumping into real estate and thinking about like, this is the financial freedom path. This is what's going to get me there. Talk to me about the mindset after you make that decision, or maybe just leading up to that, what you had to go through mentally, what the folks around you, your peers, your close friend group, what was that like explaining that to them? And I, I would imagine you mentioned your young family. They obviously probably had a lot of thoughts and, and things to say about that. So what all went into that? Because I know there are a lot of people probably listening to this that are either recently made the jump or looking to make that jump as well. 
if you can recall, what, what was the mindset like and what really got you through those kind of lean and tough times? Yeah, you know, initially, I mean, part of it was I just didn't care what other people thought. Like I, you know, going back to the simplicity of, of, of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, my focus was, hey, I'm going to buy assets and not liability. So while, my, while I was driving, you know, beat up $600 cars, $1,000 car, whatever, you know, uh, not buying fancy new things. And my friends were getting in college debt and, and financing things they couldn't afford. I was okay. I didn't need to look wealthy. I didn't need to, you know, look like I, I was successful. I wanted to go buy assets. And so part of my mindset was, hey, I'm okay making the sacrifice, which really didn't feel like a sacrifice then. It just felt like it made good financial sense. I was okay. I was okay with that delayed gratification because I knew that long-term buying these assets would pay off and would build wealth. I really, the, the biggest concept that I understood in my mind was there's a difference between making money and building wealth. And so even when I, even when I quit that minimum wage job, you know, I could have kept that job the following year and had the income from the rental properties and that job. But I knew that if I was working all day, I wouldn't have the time and energy to want to put more deals together. And so I made the decision to, hey, not work. And so even though my income was less, I had the time and energy to put more deals together. And so it's, it's really, I think, understanding the difference of making money and then building wealth. And building wealth is going to put money in your pocket, uh, you know, potentially forever or gen, you know, through multiple generations if, if it's done right. Talk to me about those that are looking to make that jump today. They're, they're on that cusp. They're where you were back then today. You know, it's a little bit different now. Financing or, or cash out there, whether you're syndicating a deal or, or, or finding capital for a deal, it's a little bit easier to find that right now. But deals are harder to find. Deal, especially ones that cash flow, that sort of thing. They may be looking to jump away from their W-2 or cut back on the W-2 so they can focus more on real estate. If they're having a, a tough time and they're struggling with finding those deals and or finding the right deal, what would you say to those people from a mindset perspective to help get them through some of those low times or tougher times that they may be experiencing right now early? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think I think it's still going back to that the difference of building wealth and making money. And where I think a lot of people have a hard time is once they start making money. I mean, I think in in our society in general, people make more, spend more, make more, spend more, and so when you get someone that is already a high salary earner and has a lifestyle that's a certain way and they're used to that, I think mentally it's harder to make that jump of like, hey, I need to replace this big income, right? A lot of people have created this lifestyle that they can only afford because of the, the money that's coming in from the job they're going to. And so I think, you know, with, with investing in real estate, it takes like building relationships and meeting people and networking and talking with people. That takes time and energy that may not have that immediate return. Someone shows up to work for the day, they're getting paid for the hours they're there, right? They're getting paid for, for their time as they should, but understanding the difference between trading your time for money and then maybe using some of your time to, to build relationships, to look at deals, to analyze deals. You know, you're not getting paid for analyzing deals, but you analyze enough deals, that's going to pay off when a property comes your way that you can take down because you analyze enough deals for a year that you feel comfortable pulling the trigger on, on that deal. And so I think, you know, being willing to sacrifice trading your time for money and focus on activities that would actually produce wealth building, you know, looking at deals, building relationships, analyzing deals, you know, telling people what you're looking, telling people what you're looking for. Most people, if they're spending all day, all week, all year going to work, they're going to be too burnt out to, to go do these things, these tasks that bring you deep potential deals. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right because listen, I, I left my job in June. So, you know, cut my job off in June, left my W2 and, and it was a tough decision. You know, we looked congrats, at our finance. Congrats, thank, by the way. thank you. We, you know, we look, I, I, we, my wife and I, we sat down for multiple, multiple nights, probably multiple, multiple weeks, even after our kids were down for sleep. And we had mo- so many conversations are the finance, are we going to be okay financially? Where do we need to cut back? Where can we cut back? what is it going to take? And we looked at it not so much like, okay, we're probably going to be, have to cut back for 12, 18 months, potentially, right? You know, maybe, maybe even 24, God forbid. But we know that two, three, four years down the road, we'll be way better off. And we're back to that wealth building instead of actually making money to your point. We're not just making money, we're building wealth over that time. So it is a, a marathon, not a sprint. I know, People probably get sick of people saying that kind of thing, but really it is. And you can't be so short-sighted in thinking what it's going to take. We're still in in the early stages in, in our company of, of grinding out and making those first deals and, and doing all that. We're not millionaires, you know, but we know 10 years down the road, that's the ultimate goal, right? We we want to be there. We want to have that generational wealth that we can pass on down in our families. So I think to your point. You got to make a decision. If you think this is the right way and you want to go this route, if you you have that entrepreneurial spirit uh, that you're not quite sure how to scratch that itch, sometimes it's a leap of faith. And, no, and, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 you do sometimes just really just have to go to it. Like I think it's a commitment in the mind more than more than anything. I mean, you know, for me there was no Plan B, and I think that's that's what helped. Like when you give yourself a Plan B, you give yourself an option to fail. And for me, I, I didn't have some job, you know, some, some high paying job or something if it didn't work. And so, you know, I truly believe like, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way, you'll find a way to make it happen. And I tell people all the time, because I have people reach out and say, oh my gosh, I should have started this before. Or even friends that said, man, I remember you talking about this before. I, I should have listened to you. I should have done this. But I also think, you know, like I'll be 40 next year. And I think, you know, someone who's my age and thinks, oh, I should have done it when I was in my twenties or my thirties. 40 is still young. Like you can do a lot of positive damage from 40 to 50 to set yourself up forever, or you can not start. And at 50 be like, well, you know, I've done nothing different than I did. I should have started at 40. And so, I mean, I don't think it's ever, ever too late to, to change or to, to take a different route. I mean, you can do a lot in in a couple of years if you're serious about. Well, so full disclosure, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I know my gray makes me look a lot older in my beard that I've grown now, but I'm 37. I started when I was 37. So my thought is I could do this for the next, let's just call it 18 years and do it or 20 years even, right? I could do it till I'm I'm 57 and I would still be able to retire way faster than I would have grinding out the W-2 job, putting money away in a 401k and an IRA, which I think for some people are good ideas if that's the route you want to go, but I will be able to do my own thing and retire when I want to on my terms, assuming that we we go down the path that we're that we have set for ourselves and the goals we have. I get to set those expectations and my money will be working for me rather than having a nest egg that I have to withdraw from at that time. But that's still 10 years ahead of every projection I had seen in any W-2 job that I had from a financial presentation on any of the folks they brought in. It was Okay, do you want to retire at 65, 66, 67? Well, no, I want to I want to do that way earlier. Way earlier. Yeah. I mean, and it's just it's just about having more choices too, right? Like I think 57, I mean, that's that's still young. And I mean, a lot of people, I mean, even if 
you know, they, a lot of people get to that retire, you know, retirement age, and then they're, they're living on less than what they did when they worked and they've worked their entire life to have no financial freedom. So now they're a slave to a fixed income and that's, I mean, that's no way to live, live either, you know? And so it's, you know, I'd rather see someone jump in at 40, 50 years old, even, and, and go, go for their dreams. I mean, I, I truly think if someone wants it bad enough, they'll find a way to make it happen. A lot of people have been successful within real estate and, and, and not all the same way. I mean, you talk to a hundred investors, they're all doing it a little bit differently, but those that have stuck with it, they've, they've found a way to succeed. And, you know, the results, in my opinion, are, are way greater than, you know, spending your whole life going to work and relying on a retirement account that you can't touch until you're too old to enjoy it. Yeah. I literally had this conversation with a friend the other day uh, uh, of the idea of saving for a retirement account and some of the financial benefits there are for there versus taking your money, even in just passively investing, taking your money and sticking in deals that you can access every five to seven years, if not faster, depending on the operator and the deal itself. And it's growing just as fast, if not faster than anything you're going to put it in later down the road. So Gabriel, I, I really appreciate you coming on board. I think what you're saying will resonate with our audience. And I, and I really encourage people to go back and listen to this episode again, because I think there's a lot of great things that you were able to bring to the table, Gabriel, and give us some mindset perspectives on what is the real difference between making money and building wealth. For those that want to work with you, Gabriel, that want to learn from you, connect with you, whatever it may be, where's the best place on the interwebs they can find you? Yeah, yeah, best place to find me. Uh, my Instagram is Gabriel R. Hamill. And I'm, I'm fairly active on there. And if someone reaches out, messages me, I, I always message people back. Um, so that's the best spot. Gabriel R. Hamill. Perfect. We'll drop that uh, link in the show notes so that everybody can access it. And then if you want to work with Gabriel or connect with him, feel free to reach out. Gabriel, again, thank you so much. We truly appreciate it, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Cody. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening at home. We'll catch everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.